Paul wrote these words, For what I received I passed on to you of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. And He appeared to Peter, and then to the twelve. After that He appeared to more than five hundred of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom have fallen asleep, though some are still living. Then He appeared to James, then to all the apostles, And last of all, he appeared to me also as one untimely born. No matter when we're born, we are in this great season of Easter, Eastertide, and these 50 days between Easter and Pentecost. And these are the days when, no matter that we have been born in the 20th and 21st centuries, we, untimely born, still get to see the risen Christ. You may be seated, and I'd like you to bow your heads as we pray together. Before I pray, um, I'd just like you to uh, take a moment in the quietness of your heart, not aloud, but in your spirit, take a moment and simply thank Him. Thank God that God put on our humanity in Christ, came to us, taught us how to live, showed us how to live, suffered and died and rose again that we could live. Just take a moment right now in the quietness of your spirit to thank God that He came to us in Christ. And before he left them, he said to his disciples, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. The gift that my Father promised, the Holy Spirit, will come to you. And at that time he said, you will know that I am in you and you are in me. Take a moment in the quietness of your spirit to thank God for the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life, in the church, and in the world. And when His Holy Spirit was poured out on His people, He began to call His people the body of Christ or the church of Jesus Christ. Today, the church of Jesus Christ is meeting around the globe in all kinds of manifestations, in large cathedrals, in storefronts, under trees, and in this room. We are grateful for the body of Christ. Had it not been for the body of Christ, we never would have heard of who Jesus is and what He'd done for us. Would you take a moment right now and thank God for the church of Jesus Christ around the world? Would you pray for the church around the world? The church would be the body of Christ. Would you pray for the persecuted church? Those in various parts of the world who right now are risking their lives for our faith. And would you pray for Cross Community Church and your pastor and his family and the whole congregation and the future and all that God has for this church.
Lord, whenever we come into Your presence in, a, in an intentional way, in, in a room like this, when we gather with other believers, we're humbled that You would call us to be Your sons and daughters. We're humbled that You would call us to be Your hands and feet. We're humbled that You would call us to be the face of Christ in our world. And we're so grateful. We pray, Father, right now for those who are going through the dark times of life, those who are going through times of physical distress or emotional issues, spiritual struggles, maybe relational issues. We pray, Father, that in all of this, we will see You. We are so quick to say, change our circumstances, but God, we say, change us. And may we know Your presence in a powerful way through whatever circumstances we're going through. And thank you so much for the honor and privilege of being together in this place today to talk about Jesus Christ and His resurrection. Nothing could be greater. Nothing could form us more. Nothing could describe us better than the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And for your great grace, we thank you and praise you this day. And all God's people agreed and said, Amen. Amen. Well, it's so wonderful to be with you in Easter season, the second Sunday of Easter. We always spend those days and weeks before Easter, the Lenten season, to relive His passion, His death, His resurrection, His his final moments with His disciples. And so it's also fitting that we take this time after Easter, in this Easter season, to relive those moments when people realized He was alive. And there's very few actual accounts in the New Testament of the post-resurrection appearances But every one of them is so fascinating. Like the one we read earlier, you know, where Paul said that at one point he appeared to 500 people at the same time. Obviously, Jesus did some preaching after he rose from the dead. I'm always kind of, uh, I get a little kick out of the, the Christian movies we see so many times where it seems like it shows the death, the resurrection, and then it was like Jesus was with his disciple for like ten minutes, and then he and then he then he ascended to the Father. And it, no, he he was with his disciples and the people for a period of forty days, uh, preaching and teaching, and uh, really verifying what God had done. I, I always think of the spin room. You know what the spin room is? It's always where uh, the leaders get together and say, "How are we going to communicate this to make it look good for us?" And there was a lot of spin after Jesus was born. Uh, I'm sorry, after Jesus was raised from the dead. A lot of spin. Uh, uh, some uh, paid the, uh, some of the soldiers and said, you tell people that, that the disciples came and stole the body. Some claimed that, well, he never actually really died. He, he, he almost died, but, but he revived, which is kind of a, a stretch considering what a crucifixion is. And three days later, wow. Uh, uh, and there are all these, these different things. Uh, you know, all the women who went to the tomb, they must have been hysterical. And no one trusted women in those days anyway. Uh, so all this spin was going on. I always think of the spin room, you know, where the, where the, 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 the Pharisees and the chief priests are all there saying, oh, here's what we'll say, and, and here's what we'll and, and people will believe this. And then somebody walks in and says, uh, guys, he's out there speaking and there's about 500 people listening to him right now. How do you spin that one, right? How, how, do, you, how do you try to convince people that this didn't happen? Well, of all the post-resurrection appearances, um, like I said, they're all so fascinating. I, I like the first one. I, I like where the women went to the tomb and the angel says this rhetorical question. Why do you look for the living among the dead? How do you answer that, you know? Why? 
We thought he was dead. That's why we looked for him among the dead. You know, why do you look for the living among the dead? And there's some other funny questions that come up. And the one that comes up is in my favorite resurrection passage. And that's where that evening of the first day of the week, two Jesus followers were on a journey, on a road, toward a little town called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They're walking. We only have the name of one of them. Cleopas and Cleopas's traveling companion. It may have been his spouse. We don't know for sure. It may have been one of the other uh, disciples that had followed Jesus, not one of the twelve. And they're walking along on this seven-mile trip that evening. And Luke tells us that as they're walking, Jesus came and joined them, but they didn't recognize him. Which is, seems kind of strange to us, but uh, there could have been a lot of reasons they didn't recognize him. Maybe, maybe as they were walking, he kind of came up beside them, and they were pretty, they were pretty despondent over what had happened. Maybe they never actually looked him in the eye, or as was the custom in those days, when it's getting cooler in the evening, they'd take their cloaks and put them up over their heads, and maybe if he was walking beside them, they never really saw anything but the side of his cloak. Some speculated that maybe they were walking into the sun, and, and because of the sunlight, they had their heads down, and, and they, really, they really weren't too interested in this stranger who was walking with them, but since they, they were kept from recognizing him. Of course, we know the real reason they didn't recognize him was he was the last person on earth they expected to see. In fact, they didn't think he was a person on earth at all. So as they're walking along this seven-mile road, Jesus, again, like the angel, gives one of these funny rhetorical questions. <laughs> Only his was more pointed. He said, what are you talking about? Now picture this. There's two people walking along. Jesus kind of walking beside him. And they go, <laughs> are you the only one in Jerusalem who hasn't heard what's going on? What? Tell me about it. About Jesus of Nazareth. He, he, was, he was remarkable. He was a great prophet and teacher. And we had thought he was the one. See, their entire lives they'd been told that the Messiah is coming. The one who would come in the name of the Lord. And at Palm Sunday they'd thought he was the one. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And as they're talking and they're telling Jesus, we, we really thought he was the one. But, but our leaders colluded with the government and, and they crucified. And then if that wasn't enough for the confusion, we, some of our women said that they went to the tomb and he wasn't there. And, and they claimed he was risen. And then some of the others went there and they confirmed that he wasn't there. And, and we don't know what to think. And Jesus said to them, Oh, you're so slow to understand what, what the Scriptures have been telling you. Now, they've been studying their entire lives about this Messiah that would come. And it says that, that Jesus, Luke tells us that Jesus then at that point began to explain to them. And he started from the beginning. It says he shared with them from Moses and the prophets. Now, in, in, in their culture, the term Moses and the prophets was their description for the Bible, our Old Testament. So when it said Moses and the prophets, it said Jesus is going to explain the whole thing to them. Now imagine this. You're on a seven-mile walk. You're walking along. You don't know it yet. But the, the most important things in the world, in, in the cosmos to understand... You are being taught. You are given 
the whole background by the one who created this cosmos. Remember what John said in John 1.1? In the beginning was the Word. That was his word for uh, uh, Jesus, the Christ. So he was saying the Christ. John said, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. There was nothing created that was not created by Him. And Paul would say that later, that He is the creative force of the whole universe. So the one who created the whole thing is now explaining to you, in verbal language, what happened. What God has been up to for all these millennia after millennia. What, what, what is going on here? As he talked, he opened the way. I, I, I have no concept what that must have been like. I wonder if he said to them, didn't you read the 22nd Psalm? Although they weren't numbered in the same way then. Didn't you read when the psalmist talked about the one for whom they would bargain for his cloak? As he hung there and, and as the dogs groveled around him, and as he had his mouth dried out and cried out and said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Didn't you remember that in the Psalms? Oh, oh. Don't you remember what Isaiah said? Surely he has borne our sorrows, he has carried our afflictions, he was led like a silent sheep to be slaughtered. And we thought he was stricken by God. Don't you remember that? Oh, oh. You know, we really believe that the Christ and the foretelling of the Christ is in every book of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, we think it's all the way through there. And Jesus started and told them the entire story. If you can imagine that. Well, they get to Emmaus and Jesus acts like he's going to go on there. No, 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 no. Please stay with us. Please, please come in and eat with us and spend the night with us. And so they went in and, and, and we read, as Luke says, that when they broke the bread, at the breaking of the bread, they recognized him. Now, I don't know if they recognized him because of how he broke the bread. If they had been following Jesus for a while, they'd seen him break bread many times. He, he'd done that many times. Of course, uh, the one we always think about is the night he broke bread with his disciples uh, before his arrest. That was a special time. It was Passover, and, and, and the bread at that point was this flat, uh, crisp bread. He, he, he probably put the bread into the linen sleeve as they always did for Passover, and they didn't break the bread, but that night he probably put it in there and and he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. And he shattered that bread and took the shards of the bread and said, now take and eat this. This is my body. Other times he broke loaves of bread, like when he fed the multitudes. They got five loaves and a couple of fish. And he goes, sit them down in groups of 50. Let's feed them all. And he broke the bread in that way. And so maybe they recognized the way he did it. Or maybe, you know, breaking of bread is just the way they talk about eating together. Maybe they sat down and ate and someone lighted the lamp. And he took his, his hoodie off. And there he is. And then Luke says, and he was gone. Oh, man, come on. Well, what are you going to do? I mean, there you are. You've walked seven miles, and, 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 and you've heard him, and you know he's risen. So you go back to Jerusalem. They didn't know they'd have such a workout that day. Yeah, they had a seven-mile walk and then a seven-mile run back. And so it was a big day for him in more ways than one. But what is this... This meta-narrative, this overarching story that Jesus told. 
That's what we have to say, what we have to look at at this time of year and periodically throughout the year. We have to say, what is it that God was up to? How do we define this Bible that we have that, that tells us this journey from creation to Christ's ultimate victory over everything? What is that story? And, and I just want to take a quick stab at it this morning, just, just briefly to say, what is the story? I, I feel kind of embarrassed to even try because we think of how these people heard it from Jesus. But I'm convinced that the story is a story of resurrection. That's the story. We've been talking about Jesus all through the Old Testament. We get to the fulfillment of the New Testament, and this whole thing is about resurrection. And I think it's important for us to see three resurrections. Sometimes I say that and people go, oh, what are you teaching here? Well, hang with me. Three resurrections. The first resurrection is the one we celebrated last Sunday. We believe that God came in the flesh. That God put on our humanity, our skin and bones and hair and teeth, and walked among us. John said, we saw Him. We touched Him. We heard Him. We listened to Him. He says, that one who was from the beginning, we've seen with our own eyes. That's why we Jesus people, we Christians, we're very physical people. That's why we don't just talk in concepts about resurrection, we worship with bread and with the cup. We take it and, and we can feel it in our hands and we can ingest it in our mouth and we drink it because we are saying this all happened in the flesh. And when we talk about Jesus' death and His resurrection, we're saying it happened in the flesh, in reality, in this stuff. We baptize people. Of course, they're baptized by the Holy Spirit, but, but Jesus didn't have us just think in those terms. He said, let's baptize them. Let's put them under water, all right? Let's, let's, let's let them physically know what it is. As I pastored, the best moments of pastoring was putting people under water. And I batted a thousand. I pulled everyone back up out, too, you know? I just... One of my standards I had, you know, always, always bring them back up. But, but, but why would we do that? Because, because we worship a physical God, a God who housed our physicality and says that He dwells in us. His Spirit dwells in us. That's the whole concept of the coming of the Holy Spirit, that He would dwell in us, the temples of the Holy Spirit. And so we believe in this resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It's the first resurrection. second resurrection is yours and mine. Paul said... That we die to sin and we are raised with Him to walk in newness of life. One of my teachers and mentors used to always say, eternity began the moment you were born again. I like that. I'm not waiting for eternity to begin. Now, someday it's going to be clearer to me, right? Someday we see through a glass darkly, Paul said, and, 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 and I don't have the full gist and you don't have the full gist. And someday it says we will see just as clearly as we are seen. We will understand just as clearly as we are understood. But we still see God. We still walk with Him. We still get to live in His new kingdom. Eternity began for you and eternity began for me the day we realized that Jesus could be our Savior, the one that we walk with. And Paul called that the resurrection. You died of sin and you were raised to newness of life. That's happening every day around our world all the time. 
again and again and again and again and again and again. Resurrection, resurrection. It's what Jesus did. It's what Jesus is still doing. Eternity. We live in time right now, but we also live in eternity. I think we're mistaken many times we say, oh, we live in time, someday we'll live in eternity. No, we live in time and eternity because the kingdom of God has come. So today, I get to live and you get to live by the standards of the new kingdom. Today, I get to have hope because of what Jesus has done and what he's doing right now. Today, I get to love my enemy. Today, I get to turn the other cheek. Today, I, I get to live in the presence of God, and you get to live in the presence of God because eternity and time came together when Christ came in physicality. Eternity and time came together, and that's right where you and I live. We live in the new kingdom. This, Jesus said the kingdom of God is in you. You and I live in the kingdom to come and the kingdom right now. Time and eternity, that's where we are. Why? Because Christ raised Jesus from the dead. And he raised you too. And he raised me too. Then, of course, you've got one more resurrection. It's that final resurrection, that great resurrection. I remember reading about when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. And uh, at that point, he went to comfort Lazarus' sisters. And Mary came to him and said, if you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. He said, your brother will rise again. And she said, I know he'll rise at the last day. Already, even before Jesus could fully articulate it, they knew that God was up to something in this world. That God is going to raise His entire cosmos, His entire world. You and I. You know, when, when uh, God created it, he, he said, it's good. If you read the poem in the first chapter of Genesis, he created this, that's good. Created this, that's good. Created that's good. And then he created you and said, oh, that's very good. That's very good. That's what he said. God's creation is a part of who God is. And, and you know, we've kind of been lulled into a lot of American Christianity into this thing. Well, God's going to just blow the whole thing up someday, you know, and we can float off to heaven. No, 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 no. We, 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 are, not, we are not of the old religions that believe in, in the immortality of the soul. We believe in the resurrection of the dead. We believe that dead things come back to life because of who Christ is. You came back to life. I came back to life. Don't you love, the, don't you love the, the story of the prodigal son when he came back to his father? And what did the father say? He said, this is my son who was lost and is found, who was dead and is alive. And what he did for you and me, he has to do for the whole cosmos, the whole world. He's going to renew this. If you, if you, if you want to spend some time, read 1 Corinthians 15 over and over and over again. It's a crazy, crazy chapter that talks about new bodies. New earth, all that God is going to do to raise us up. I, uh, I like this world. I'm not in a hurry to leave it, but I've got to say, sometimes I'm really excited about my new body. It's going to be so good. It's going to look so good. I tell you, I'm going to be so buff in my new body. It's going to be great. Um, but, but, but see, because we, we reflect, you know, the Scripture says we don't exactly know what He is, but we know we will be like him. And they saw him. They touched him. They put their hand. He, he defeated death, hell, and the grave. And that new body that he had, Paul said, we will be like him. We will be raised. This earth will be raised. 
the lion will lie down with the lamb. The child will play with the snake and not fear. The swords will be beaten into plowshares. They will study war no more. God will have his ultimate will in his world, in his creation. That's why we call this thing good news. This is really good news. One of the things, I'm an old guy now. I've been preaching a long time, okay? And and I keep saying the longer I read the Bible, the longer I study this stuff, the longer I preach it, you know what I keep realizing? This good news is actually better news than we ever dreamed it was. It really is. We thought it was just good news for a few of us. We thought it was just good news that that I could make it through this life and, and, and maybe die not too bad of a death and somehow float away. Oh, no, the news is much better than that. The news is what Jesus says in the book of Revelation when he says, I am making all things new. Man, that's good news. That's good news. That's why, that's why we talk about the resurrection that happened, the resurrection that is happening, and the resurrection that will happen. And you know what? They're all one. They're all the same thing. That God is in Christ reconciling the world to Himself. And we benefit from that. The whole world benefits from that. So, Jesus breaks the bread, and they go, Oh! Oh, and poof, he's gone. And they say, well, we got we to go tell the others. But my favorite part of the whole story is as they're getting ready to go back to Jerusalem to tell the others, they said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us when he opened up the Scriptures to us? Man, oh man. Imagine walking that journey with Him and learning all that. I said, didn't our hearts burn within us? You know, you and I live on this side of the resurrection just like those two people going to Emmaus. We have this honor and privilege that we sometimes forget that we get to walk with Him. In fact... Jesus would describe His Spirit living in our life as something more intimate than walking with Him in the flesh, even. He said to His disciples, I am with you, and I will be in you. That's how it's described. Christ in us, us in Christ. We are in Christ, Christ is in us. That is this amazing, amazing news. And when we begin to grasp that and embrace that every day, we can't help but have our hearts just burn within us. A.W. Tozer was a a writer in the the 1940s, I believe, and he talked about the people of the burning heart. And here's how he described the people of the burning heart. The people of the burning heart were those who knew him and hungered to know him more. The people who knew him and wanted to know him. I think what Paul said in his Philippian letter, I want to know Christ. He had walked with Christ. He, he, he knew Christ. And what did he say? I want to know Christ. Something was burning inside of him. And we get to be taught from the very words of Jesus as we dwell with him and walk with him every day. I, I have always been so grateful to our denomination and my family and everything that I got to go to theological seminary. It's one of the 
most humbling and wonderful transformative times of my life. Nazarene Theological Seminary. But think about Emmaus Road Theological Seminary. Wow. I mean, NTS was pretty good. But ERTS, wow. Emmaus Road. See, that's what God wants for every one of us as we journey with Him. And the secret of the burning heart. See, you know, we don't drum up our own faith. We don't drum up our own. It's to ask for that burning heart. The burning heart that those two people had were given to them by Jesus. You and I have the burning heart, the hunger for God when we ask Him, Lord, make me hunger for You. Help me to be thirsty for You. Help my desire to increase for You even as my relationship with You grows deeper and deeper and deeper. Create in me an insatiable hunger that really is satiable, but then keeps increasing and increasing. I've discovered over the years that the, the best prayer I can pray for my Christian brothers and sisters, the best prayer I can pray for them, and of course for me as well, is, oh God, please make us more hungry for you. I, I, I can't muster that up in myself. That's a gift from him. But when we ask for that, he gives that to us. And we'll find ourselves sitting at the table with him in that moment going, oh, I'm with the Lord. And then it's like he went and said, no, you've got to go back to Jerusalem and tell everybody about it. So we get up and we run back. And as we run back with good news, we say, oh, didn't our hearts burn within us? Don't our hearts burn within us as we walk through this good news? I don't know what you're going through, but we've all been through it, right? Every one of us in this room have lost loved ones. Every one of us in this room have gotten bad news from the doctor, if not for ourselves, about someone we love. Every one of us has said, why? Every one of us have read the papers. Well, we don't read papers anymore. We've seen it online. You know, every one of us has said, why? And yet, this good news is that God is making all things new and we get to be a part of it. So we say it's good news. When we say we celebrate the resurrection, we're not pretending. We're not saying, no, oh, we'll just pretend nothing's wrong. No, we believe that God came down in the mess. And God is making all things new. And He's doing it through you and you and you and you and me. That just makes our hearts burn within us. Heavenly Father, we are so overtaken by resurrection. And not as an abstract idea, but as something you are doing to us, in us, and through us. We're thankful that You chose us. You adopted us. You said, I want Your physical bodies to be the dwelling place of My Spirit. And we're amazed by that. Astounded by that. And our hearts burn within us. So Lord, help us to go from this place in all that we do as individuals, as a body of believers, as a church, and, and all the places we have to go, and all the tremendous challenges we have even tomorrow, and some of us even today, and we pray that we will go with an increased hunger for You. And Lord, whether everything seems to be in pretty good shape in our lives, or whether it feels like it's all falling apart, just make us more and more and more hungry for You, so that we may know the risen Christ. 
We're grateful for all you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's, let's stand together and end by praying the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray, the Lord's Prayer. And we'll pray it with the word trespasses in there. Let's pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Go with God.